Well, we're working today on the theme to the praise of his glory. Three times in in Ephesians chapter 1 and 2, the Apostle Paul refers to this phrase, to the praise of his, the glory of his grace, to the praise of his glory, to the praise of his glory. And I have mentioned to you that I felt led to have this series and have our preaching team preach this series because there is that deep within us that wants to live more fully for to the praise of his glory, each one of us. That's what the Spirit is doing in each of us. You know, we want to come and experience worship, experience God, but there's that within us that longs to live in a deeper, more profound and... and um, biblical way, God-honoring way, where we live, whether we eat or drink, or whatever we do, we do all for the glory of God. And we even remember that the Westminster Confession of Faith is commonly quoted as the chief purpose of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And that's uh, been one of the statements that the church has, has been declaring for years and years, that we are created to live for the praise of his glory. And we, we're, we mentioned that we're already doing that really well, I feel. I feel like you can't worship the way you worship here on Sundays if you weren't worshiping him and living a lifestyle of worship through the week. This is a, a, a boost and a refreshing, but you don't come into... You guys are hitting the ground running when you hit here on Sundays because you just enter right into praise, right into worship here. You're living for the praise of his glory. But what God wants to do is strengthen that in us. He says he has been given, um, um, he who has will be given more. So we have a life of living for the praise of his glory, but to his, to his glory, but God wants to deepen and strengthen that and give us the more of the joy unspeakable and full of glory that is associated with living for him through our day and doing all that we do with reference to him. Success being defined, are you hearing me, listening to me? Success is defined as sharing our life with God. That's what success, that's what real success is. Sharing all of our life with God. The world may define success differently. It certainly does. But success biblically is sharing all of our life with God. Living for God, living to God, living with reference to God. And that's uh, that's. David mentioned last week that one of the most important things about that is remembering that God loves us. We're not living for the praise of his glory to placate him or to satisfy his, uh, his ego or to, or to keep him from being mad at us. It's not, not, it's not how it is. He loves us with an infinite love and Ephesians tells us that and we're responding in that way to him. Even our what, what we're created for, you you know from reading Ephesians that we're not saved by our works, right? For by grace you're saved through faith. It's not of yourself. It's the gift of God. It's not of works, lest anyone should boast. But we are created in Christ Jesus. You're in Christ Jesus. You are, say this, I am in Christ Jesus. Yeah, you are in Christ Jesus. And in Christ Jesus, you were created in Christ Jesus for good works. So when you think of good works, don't just dismiss them as being, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to focus on good works because 
I don't want to slip into this thing of thinking that I'm getting God's favor, thinking I'm saved by good works. No, the God, God calls you to recognize that he created you, and there's going to be a sense of, of lack in your life if, you do, if we don't embrace the reality that our Christian life philosophy needs to be a life of living for good works. We don't live, we, don't, we aren't saved by our good works, but we're saved for good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He worked six days, rested the seventh, and he's called his church to reflect his image in living supernatural works in the power of the Holy Spirit. Some great, amazing, obviously miraculous works, but sometimes just a kind smile or a kind word or taking someone out for coffee or patiently forbearing with someone who's annoying. These are also the kinds of good works that are honoring to Jesus. It's the spot, doesn't it? Yeah. So my first talking point is God's grace. If a life that is lived to the praise of God's glory is a life permeated and saturated with, with o- o- it's permeated, saturated, and overflowing with God's grace. If you think of someone that you know that exemplifies living for the praise of God's glory, you can see that they're, it's, they're not marked by ego, egotism or pride, but they exude an atmosphere of receiving favor. You can just see the love of God on them, can't you? When they're, you see people and you can note people that God brings into your life that you can say, yeah, that person is an atmosphere-changing person that lives for the praise of God's glory. It's because their life is saturated and permeated with God's grace, God's favor, God's presence, God's love. And that's why I want to talk a little bit more, because the Apostle Paul does too, about, uh, about grace. I talked about it a few weeks ago, and I want to elaborate a little bit more on it. Talking point, God's grace is greater than we think in our experience of the gospel. God's grace is greater than we think in our experience of the gospel. Saved by grace, and salvation isn't just mean getting to heaven. It means deliverance, wholeness, health, healing. Saved by grace is mentioned twice in the verse I'm about to read, Ephesians 2, verse 3b. We were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. You'll remember that that verse is prefaced with, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. It's a very sobering verse. Then he goes on to, 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 to say those lusts of the flesh that are the world's, uh, uh, the sin that the world is captivated by, that uh, God's broken that off of us. But he says, we were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you've been saved, raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus, for by grace you've been saved. Sometimes we think of 
salvation by grace as being an arena over here that God is saying, you're over here and I'm inviting you to go over there. You go over there and you'll experience, you say the sinner's prayer and you'll experience grace. It's a conceptual theology. It's a, a, a belief. I am now saved by grace because I called upon Jesus to save me. It's true, but it has to do with standing in the, in, in the front of a, a, a concept to believe, to be believed. I want to suggest to you this morning that God's word teaches us that grace is that, but it's way greater than that. It's more like this. I'm over here, and I'm seeing that God's grace is over there, and I'm a lost sheep. And God says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to gather up all this over here, all this grace over here, and I'm going to come over to Dan Mickelson, and I'm just going to overwhelm him with it. He's a lost sheep, and I'm leaving the 99, and I'm going after Mickelson. And just let him try to get away. (laughs) Come here. Aren't you glad he's like that? I am so grateful he's like that. When I pray, gratefulness. And you know what? If the concept of grace is sort of redundant or boring or, or in the gospel to us, we don't understand it. We aren't getting it. Because the nuances and profundity and depth of God's gospel grace is not only designed to be revealed to us more and more day by day in this life, but it's designed for every day of eternity to be exponentially increased in our understanding forever into the eternal future. I want to tell you, you're going to be smiling in heaven, laughing in heaven every single day because there's going to be a new wave of understanding the grace of the gospel to us in the crucified one. The love of Jesus coming for you, rescuing you. And not one of us prays the prayer, oh God, thank you that you made grace available to me and I thank myself that I walked into it and took a hold of it. Every single one of us in our prayer life prays, oh God, Thank you that you picked up all the grace and came over and just grabbed me and pulled me into it and baptized me into it and you're still baptizing me into it every day. God's grace is greater than we think in our experience of the gospel. The Son of Man came to seek and to save those that are lost. Seek us out and find us. Reinhard Bonnke, the great evangelist in Africa and in America, he put it this way, the gospel is good news, not just good history. Because when it is preached, it happens. It grips us, gets us. I'm so glad it does. Look at 
Look what it includes. It's not just saying the sinner's prayer and receiving. You know, there's... No one can say Jesus is Lord and mean it except by the Spirit of God. So when we pray the sinner's prayer with people, we know something's happening. But there's this thing that my friend Bill Valley, missionary to Mexico, the little town we lived in before we moved to Medford had 500 people in it, Hammond, Oregon, the most northwest town in the state of Oregon. Our church had 400 people in it. The town had 500 people in it. Not everybody in the town came to church. They came from other places, But Bill Valley was there the night that they sent us out to Medford. He was a guest speaker. And he pulled me over afterwards and he said, Dan, you're going to have some tough times church planning. I promise you that. Bill Valley had been the town drunk in the 1950s. He was well known as the town drunk. He went to Hammond Gospel Mission, a rainy, leaky, storefront church that later became Philadelphia Church where we pastored. But he got saved at Hammond Gospel Mission with buckets all around because of a roofing leak. And he said, what do I do now? And he said, they said, go, go, go read the Bible. And so he read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John without stopping. Read it all the way through. Just stopped for food. He just didn't even sleep. Just read them all through. He just, they said, that's what I do next, so that's what I'm doing. And he ended up feeling a call of God from reading that to go to Mexico. And he immediately went to Bible college, went to Mexico, and lived out his whole life. But he coined the phrase that I've never forgotten. You've heard me say it. The phrase, good saved. And there are those that are saved, maybe, because the parable of the sower says that sometimes the soil's not good, but they receive it a little bit, and then they dump it. But there are those who respond to the gospel and produce fruit, 40, 60, 100-fold what was sown. And that's the kind of thing that we see on the outside. We see it happening to the people on the outside. They just go for God. You know, do you hear me, what I'm talking about? They really go for God. But this describes what is on the inside. This too is part of the gospel. You were by nature objects of wrath and God forgave that and took that out of you. He condemned that wrath. He took his wrath and put it on Jesus instead of on you. He loved you. He made you, the gospel is that he made you alive. Your spirit was dead and he said, Lazarus, come forth. And you became alive in your spirit. And you, you became connected to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the bond that binds you to Jesus. And you are seated together, not at New Song Church this morning, but primarily in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And there's nothing you can do to change that. Even if you're not thinking about it, it still is happening. You're seated together with him. And he raised... raised you together with Christ on the first Easter Sunday morning, you came out of the tomb with him. And um, there's a lot of fringe benefits that come from that reality on the inside. But we see it happening to people on the outside. That's, Paul describes what's happening to people on the inside. I got a note from Jack and Judy Burgoyne. I don't remember much about leading them to Christ. It was over 30 years ago. But 
Judy's brother had started attending our church and committed his life to Christ. And just from that one conversion, that one salvation, 18 people came to Christ and were added to the church over the next year. Jack and Judy were one of them. Judy was Dave's sister, the guy that got saved originally. And I just felt, I remember feeling God's spirit is on these guys and I don't care how they treat me. I can tell that they're, they're, God's going to get them. I could just feel it. And all I remember is praying for their cow to be healed. It was rather a dramatic. I never had been asked to come out and pray for a cow before. I don't even remember if the cow got healed. I think it, I don't remember it dying. <laughs> but anyway, I got this note from her recently. And this isn't promoting me. This is describing what God did in them. Dan, I was reminded of how we treated you when you came to our house over 35 years ago. We were so unwelcoming to you, and you just kept knocking on the door until Jack finally said, well, let's go see what he has to offer. Then we talked about how you just wanted our money. We didn't even have any an extra $20 in our wallet at the time. I think it's ironic that just a, a few weeks ago, I was going through some old files, and I found a card from them. Um, and there was a $20 check in there that, had, that I didn't know, and I hadn't cashed it in over 35 years. <laughs> I, did, I did try to cash it. I just did. <laughs> she says this. Well, you kept on coming back with all of our verbal abuse and blowing smoke in your face. You prayed over us and our sick cow. You married us in our living room and you baptized us. You saw the broken people that we were. You reached out with fear and trembling and pulled us out of the pit. Our lives have been totally saved now for over 35 years. I don't say that. I didn't work that hard at it. I just, I hope you don't take this that way. I just want you to see what good saved means. I want you to see today what good means saved. How you look on the outside to people because how God has good saved you. How God has changed your life. Sometimes you focus on what God hasn't done to change your life. But if you think for a moment about where you would be today if you hadn't turned to Christ... There can be a deep appreciation of welling up within you of what God has done. And I want you to get what God's done on the inside. That the gospel is more than saying the sinner's prayer. But as God is bringing all of his grace and enveloping you with it, overwhelming you with it, causing your spirit to come alive in connection with him, seated you you in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, experiencing the face-to-face love of Jesus, him holding your shoulders, looking in you and I every day and saying, I love you so much. And knowing the wonderful experience that that's only going to increase more and more throughout eternity, that look in your eye, the kindness of the judge, of all the earth, looking into your eye and telling you he loves you again today.
today. I was telling Brenda this morning, it is so cool getting to preach the gospel because the realities, the, reality, the, the theme realities of the gospel are so profoundly wonderful, so moving, so rocking of our lives. Yeah. Yeah. Stop crying so much. I'm stunned by it. I love the gospel so much I can hardly stand it. I love it in me and I love it in you. And I love it in the pages of the book. My friends, we need to guard the pages of the book because they're under attack. God's grace is greater than we think in our experience of the gospel. And God's grace is greater than we think in our believing of the apostolic teaching of the gospel. Believing is a big deal in the Bible. Believing the apostolic teaching of the New Testament. It's a big deal. It's heaven's currency. It's how we access the good things. Believing plus truth equals reality. Believing plus non-truth equals fantasy. We hold dearly to the reality that I was going to hold up my iPad and say, this truth. (laughs) But the truth of the Bible gets us in touch with reality, causes us to experience reality. Ephesians 2.8, Paul, in apostolic authority, declares it, for by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. And I think even faith is a gift of God. It says so, so elsewhere. Eastern Orthodoxy and, and Roman Catholic theology puts the authority in tradition. And tradition says we're saved by grace and works. The problem with that is it's not in the Bible that way. The problem with that is if you have add works at all, you never know if you're doing good enough, so there can never be certainty. Progressive theology, old liberal theology, with a new paint job, new new attractive teachers, they say the authority for Christian life is whatever resonates as true for you. It just breaks my heart that when people are believing that. Evangelical theology believes that the authority is in the apostolic teaching of the New Testament. And even the stuff in the Old Testament that you say, well, why would God say that or do that? I interpret it through the lenses of the New Testament. And if the New Testament doesn't emphasize it, I don't emphasize it either. If the New Testament ignores it, I just pass over it when I read it. I think the New Testament is a template for us and the 
eyeglasses that we read the Old Testament through. Jesus to Thomas. When Thomas missed church, skipped the service where Jesus' resurrection appeared, he, when they saw him, they told him, he's alive, we've seen him, he arose from the dead. You missed, you missed the meeting, but I'm, we're testifying to it's real. What did Thomas say? I will not believe unless I have the sign of touching him, touching the wounds. Jesus appears to, again and to Thomas, and he says, Tom, touch my wounds, touch my side. But you remember what he says next? He says, you see and you believe. More blessed are those that believe. Believe what? Believe the apostolic witness that were told, was told you, Tom. Believe what the apostles said to you, Tom. When Thomas went to India, according to early church history, and preached the gospel there, he did not say, ask God for a sign like I did. He said, believe my testimony. I saw him alive. Believe the testimony of the other apostles. I saw, they saw him alive. And all the other teachings, believe it, embrace it, guard it, fight for it. And the Coptic church in India was born from Thomas's preaching. When the first missionaries came to India, there was a strong church there that traced their roots back to the Apostle Thomas and his appeal to the apostolic teaching of the Bible. Guard your Bible. Read it. Savor it. Protect it. Believe it. It's under attack. The early church devoted themselves to what? To the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. Apostles' teaching. To be students of the Bible, students of the New Testament. Saturate our minds with the New Testament. Interact with the New Testament. Because there you will see the realities of grace. And begin to own them. And the truth of God's grace will set you free. What's the point of having a check written out to you for a million dollars if you never cash it? The New Testament invites us to cash the check of the realities we have in Jesus. God's grace is greater than we think in our experience of the gospel. And in our believing of of the gospel. Faith in the apostolic witness. And part of the apostolic witness is that we're saved through grace by faith and we access all the blessings through faith. It's the currency of heaven. Three, God's grace is greater than we think in our daily opportunities to do good. We're not saved by our works. We are saved for good works. Ephesians 2, 8 and following. For by grace... Are you still with me? Just checking. If I see your eyes, I can tell you're with me. But if I look down and read too much, I don't know. Are they still there? (laughs) 
For by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I mentioned to you already in a talk a couple weeks ago, this wonderful, wonderful grace that's on the good good works opportunities that God gives us. Whether those good works are random opportunities for kindness or whether they're a calling to do a series and sequence of good works as a ministry in our lives, a special emphasis for good works. Either way, they are prepared in advance billions of years ago. I mentioned to you that when my grandson Luke was over swimming the other day, I put sunscreen on him on his back, that one gets skin cancer when he's 68. And I said to him, Luke, the sun, this, these sun rays uh, have come 93 million miles to attack you, and we're stopping him, them just in time so that you're safe from them. Now, that's a negative example, but God's opportunities for ministries have come... Millions of years, God's prepared them for you. And the appeal from that reality is is to watch for them, live for them, be aware of them, and enter them. Let them hit you. Don't put sunscreen on to stop them at the last second. Because God's designed us for, for that in a unique way for each of us. Here's a video of a... Yeah, here's a video. I'm going to close with this video and, and finish this next week. But here's a video of a of a a cool dog that uh, on a football field with people in the stands cheering because this owner is throwing a frisbee and the dog catches this frisbee like 80 yards farther down the field. And I saw that, I thought, what a great parable. That the angels are in the stands cheering us on every day. They long to look in these into these things, the Bible says. That God is like the guy throwing the frisbee, and he's giving us opportunities to do something way beyond what it seems like we're doing. The dog's just instinctively going for the Frisbee, but the owner is supremely happy. And I'm sorry that the illustration breaks down because you're not, you don't look like dogs today. (laughs) But here we are just enjoying the reality of God giving us a Frisbee to catch and the angels cheering. So let's let's this parable hit strike home for you. I hope today. Here we go. Happy dog, happy angels, happy owners, happy Jesus. Stand up. We're gonna worship. One more time together.
Let's love on Jesus and we'll have a closing prayer and we'll be dismissed. We worship him and love him right now for his grace.
some of us here feel distant from God some aren't even born again yet you're not born from above your spirit's still dead and today today it can come alive and there's others today that have known God in the past but your heart aches to respond to his heart ache for you something in you that is just saying you know what I want so so much for him to take all that grace and not just invite me to come and step into it but what I really want him is to come to me and overwhelm me with it saturate with me with it personally give it to me I I want that so bad feel like there's something like that here today so with our heads bowed and our eyes closed right now if that's you just raise your hand up I'm not going to call you forward I'm just going to pray for you one, two, three four five, six seven Eight. We grant it for these right now, Jesus. We recognize that that desire for God is part of your grace, your favor working in their lives right now and saying, I'm here to give you the, the whole nine yards. You don't deserve it, but that's what grace is all about anyway. If you don't deserve it, you're the one that qualifies for it. So give it to him right now. 
as they take the hand of Jesus, take their hand, Lord Jesus, and say, you've got an amazing future with me. I'm going to show you more and more of my grace every day, more of my love every day. I'm here to rock your world, so get ready. I feel like some words of knowledge today for healing. This could be also for our television audience. That God is healing right now a bladder urine or, or a urinary tract infection. It's happening right now by His grace. To receive it. God, is, God has just broken off someone with uh, panic attacks. It's broken. That spirit is lifted off of you. And you're free and liberated by the blood of Jesus. And there's someone or more than one that got a shocking cancer diagnosis. And it's shocking because you don't feel any pain or any distress in your body. It's like, what? How could this be true? But God is going to give you an even more shocking experience in that he's healing it right now. It's lifting off of you. It's being healed this very second in Jesus' name. If anybody would like prayer for anything else or just to spend time at the altar as the music's praying, we invite you to do that. It's good to get into the water while it's being stirred. Someone wants to spend some time with God at the altar or if you'd like further prayer at the altar, feel welcome to do that. Otherwise, go in grace, okay? We love you. Amen. Our ministry team will be up here to pray with people that would like prayer.